Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 256 for Monday, July 31st, 2023. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is Johnny, also known as Pixel Riffs, hopefully returning to the Minecraft Survival Guide sometime soon. Hello, sir. Hello. Yes, I am hopefully returning. Um, fingers crossed my PC should be arriving again later this week, although I don't want to jinx it, so I'll say no more. But uh, in the meantime, happy four stacks of episodes of The Spawn Chunks. Episode 256 was always going to be a milestone for those of us who have an eye for Minecraft numbers. In the render distance this week, the extended version of the podcast, we've been talking a little bit about Minecraft projects upcoming, specifically for Joel's sci-fi projects, and how some influences from TV and film could play into that. Some stuff about Foundation on Apple TV, and a little bit of Joel's forays in Secret Wars on Disney+. Plus. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, we talk about all kinds of stuff on the render distance, but typically it's what we've been up to that week, what we've been watching, what our other influences are, and anything we want to recommend. That's that's over at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. Patrons get access to a whole bunch of features like the extended version of the podcast. There's about 20 to 30 minutes of extra material on every single show every week. And we even have a few patron-related events, which should hopefully be coming up once my regular recording schedule resumes. So expect news of the monthly Minecraft Hangout and the quarterly Hangout to be coming up in future. That's all going to be in the Discord for patrons as well, so keep an eye on that announcements channel if you want to learn more. And we have an anniversary coming up next week. Oh gosh, we do. <laughs> I better have my PC back for that. We need to we do, make an yeah. event of it, yeah. I had to quickly check the dates, but the first episode of The Spawn Chunks was published on August 10th, five years ago. So next week the show is going to record on like the 7th or something on the Monday. Uh, so that week, that week of the 10th is our five-year anniversary. Wow. It's it's flown by, strangely. Um, <laughs> but but here we are. And uh, as, as you might expect, I don't have a great deal to contribute to our quick login this week where we usually talk about what's new in our Minecraft lives because I have nothing to report except that my PC should hopefully return this week. Uh, if it does, the first thing on the agenda is getting back into the survival guide where I will probably be getting horses and potentially a camel, possibly some sniffers. I want to tackle some of the early game stuff before it sort of becomes irrelevant, before we go into the end and get a light right. and all other forms of transportation are left by the wayside, at least for a while. Um, so I'm thinking, yeah, talking about horses and camels and, and horse breeding, especially with the changes to that recently, seems like a, a priority. I have also left a blacksmith's house unbuilt around my super smelter, which is one of the topics I wanted to cover quickly before the PC went away. And I said to myself, I'm just going to build a floor, like a platform coming off the side of this uh, stone staircase that leads up to my starter house. And I'm going to build a house around this eventually, but I don't really have time to plan out and build and, you know, sketch and creative and then rebuild in survival this blacksmith's house. So that's probably going to be first on the agenda as well, simply because I don't know if I'll be able to live with a super smelter that's just a, a big ugly platform for the minute. But that's uh, that's what's been on my mind recently when it comes to planning out the return of the survival guide. But uh, aside from that theoretical Minecrafting, nothing much to report. So what's new with you, Joel? Well, before I get into what's new with me, I just thought of something. When you, because you've been away from Minecraft for so long, and I know you often plan what you're doing in Minecraft in Minecraft, like in creative mode or something like that. Have you, by chance, been using any other tools other than like writing down ideas and notes? Like, have you drawn anything, graph paper, used any like CAD programs or Photoshop or something like that to like sketch out ideas or, or kind of plan out what you might want to do when you do get your PC back? 
I have not, and I think the main reason for that is because I am more adept at visualizing stuff in Minecraft than I am in a traditional medium of any kind. Um, so I'm not great at drawing and I don't have a whole lot of graph paper around, but even then the graph paper I think would be useful for me in measuring stuff out rather than in the design process. Right. So like if I wanted to count out how big of an area I needed for something, then maybe it would be helpful. But really what I'm missing is the creativity of being able to drop in with a bunch of materials and say, how do I turn these into something that approximates a house? And like, how do I build on this style? And, and the experimentation and that side of things is really what, works for me in game that I have a hard time reproducing outside of a game environment. So yeah, like using Photoshop or whatever might work for some people, but it's not something that I have a huge amount of, I guess, patience for as well as ability for. Like I'm not really from a traditional art background at all. So uh, not right now is the answer to that, but I've played enough Minecraft that I think I'm able to piece things together in my head better than I am trying to visualize them anywhere other than in Minecraft itself. And that makes a lot of sense because I'm at a stage now in Minecraft where I feel like I do the same, where I, I don't I don't even need to really go into creative a lot of the time to figure something out. I think maybe the only thing would be a really complicated redstone circuit or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, you know, or, or spacing or, or something like that. But now, now that I've got a, enough of a repertoire uh, of building in Minecraft, a sense of scale, an understanding of how deep and where to leave yourself room to avoid mistakes. Like I feel a lot more comfortable just straight ahead going for it in survival. Uh, and, and I think that that's part of just having that experience in Minecraft, despite having art skills, because that's something I did. I like, I used to design stuff in, um, Photoshop because I would look at something like our nether hub six years ago on the server like oh gosh how am I going to attempt this thing it's like a hundred blocks tall and there's lava everywhere and I gotta have the four entrances and all this stuff and so I just designed it in Photoshop because I was faster at it right because those are the skills that I had and now I I think there might be something something of that scale I might again use Photoshop and a and a pixel image to measure something but I don't think I would need it to design it would be just like okay I need it to start and end here. I need like three pillars to this giant bridge. And after that, I'm comfortable with how it looks in game and figuring that out in game. I may only use it as a measuring tool now. Um, and even then, like, I feel like, I don't know if I'd use Photoshop. I might try to find something else. Like I might even just use a couple of online tools. Like we've all talked about um, the the sphere tool. What is it? Um, Something.uk? Uh, the, plots, um, plots, plots. Code yes. UK with a Z. Yeah, so for for different shapes, for like you know spheres and and ellipses and stuff like that, and I use that all the time. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't necessarily use it to design something. I use it to figure out okay, how much room does that give me if I make this tower a, a diameter of nine or a diameter of eleven or whatever that happens to be. And I I think that those are the things that I use more often than than my traditional art skills because I I honestly feel now like I kind of draw or paint in Minecraft. Like I'm, I'm using it like uh, a painter's palette in, in a lot of sense. Um, and to, to get into what I've been doing, uh, first I'll share with our, our live discord, a couple of screenshots from yesteryear. Uh, these are from 2021. Uh, I added a bunch of different shops to the East market. One of them was a Cooper, uh, a barrel builder. And when I went around and started doing the hanging signs, uh, 
I noticed that the Cooper was really lagging behind other builds in terms of the detail, in terms of the overall design. It felt very plain, had like a plain spruce plank roof, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I put it on my to-do list to go back and retexture it. And it didn't take very long. It was like a very short two-hour stream. And I went through and changed a bunch of stuff and it worked out very well. And it, I think it just goes to show like as you play Minecraft longer uh, and you repeat things like building roofs, building windows, uh, figuring out what block combinations work really well to achieve different things, uh, you, you really sort of outpace yourself. And as difficult as it is to resist going back and, and redoing things, this is very visible. It's right on the river. I see it quite a bit and I, I really felt like it needed an update. And so I went back and I updated it and it didn't take a lot. It was like adding some barrels into the roof, adding a dormer with a window in it into the roof, throwing in a couple of different roof textures, uh, changing some of the bricks and the blocks and the walls. Uh, I've got a lot of, I call them design cues. Like I like putting a upside down polished andesite stair above a lot of the doors in West Hill, especially if it's a decent sized building. It makes it feel like it has... Uh, a keystone or a header above it. it it kind of emphasizes the door they work really well over windows sometimes because it again makes it feel like some sort of structural support for the roof above it and uh i you know just those little things as you go around and do that kind of influence a build also helps separate the building which is made out of stone bricks from the road which is also made of stone bricks so adding some texture to the walls and things was something that really needed to happen and i had already gone through and added like the hanging sign from minecraft 1.20 as well as the barrel in that sign which is part of the armor statues data pack from vanilla tweaks where the barrel looks like it's kind of carved into or hanging on the sign without the need for me to say like barrel shop you can just kind of like infer what's going on. So I'm really happy with the way that it turned out. I added some details to some of the roof bits, uh, added kind of like a, a roof slope or a sag that I often do. When I was working on it, I actually came to the conclusion, I must have just kind of got to the end of a stream where it was done enough and thought, I'll come back and finish this later and just completely forgot. Mm -hmm. B because it was, it was like 80%, 85% there. It just, it didn't have all those finishing touches that I seem to be putting on everything else. So I obviously just forgot about it. Uh, so it's nice to be able to go back and do that kind of stuff. I do keep myself from doing it all over the place, especially on simpler builds that have very little consequence, like just a house or a, a, a barracks shack or something like that. I'm not really worried about the details in the roof that I built two years ago. That's, it's fine. You know, like it's not something that you notice a lot. It's not like on a street corner, that kind of thing. Um, Speaking of details, the other stuff that I started working on was uh, the detail list on the West Hill Keep. And uh, I started with the tower. The One of the, the tallest point actually now in West Hill is a tower on the keep. And so the top of it wasn't done. It didn't have a rampart. It didn't have like a proper way to get up there. I needed to finalize the stairs. Actually, to maximize the rampart, instead of having the stairs go all the way up to the top, of the tower i added like a very top floor so the stairs stop at the top floor when there's a couple of windows and then there's just a straight ladder that takes you up to the small three by three area at the top mm -hmm. so rather than losing like three of my nine blocks to a staircase i just have a single hole that you can come up and take a look around the, and the, the city and there's the really the only purpose of it is to just be up there and go like wow <laughs> cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> just, you can look around you know um but it really kind of struck me as I'm getting closer to the end of, of West Hill and I'm trying to muscle through, I don't want to say burnout, but like, do you ever have any of these monumental tasks where 
it's a lot of work and you've done a lot of the work, but there's just these last little bits that you have to do in order to finish it up. And you're almost procrastinating on it. Yeah. It, 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 it's a combination of like not wanting it to end, but also like, I'm also so done with this. Like I've just been working on this for so long and um, I'm really hoping to finish this soon. It, it things seem to be coming along and having lists really help. Um, and, and that's kind of what I've been doing now. So I've added it to my list things that are part of the keep. Uh, including now the exterior textures. So now that I'm happy with the structure, things on the uh, inside are still up in the air, but the outside, it's not moving because there's a lot of places where it just can't move. And I really like the gradient that I did on the riverside, which I shared a couple of weeks ago. And so I've decided to pull that around for a good portion of uh, the keep. Now, the nice thing about this is that I've kind of got a Y level where these certain textures appear, you know, like the... It starts as stone from the top of the wall. It turns into andesite. Then it turns into cobble, tough, and then deep slate. And it kind of gets darker as you go down. But there's like a Y level where that happens. So what's cool about this is that I can actually kind of draw like a, a contour line around the keep and say, okay, well, if I keep this all the same, then the good news is like not every wall is going to turn out to be mostly black or mostly dark blocks. It's, it's really only going to determine it's like where the bottom of that wall is visible from. And so... This has helped me like separate it from other things. I've added in more foliage, which I think I shared last week as well. I'm just kind of doing different things like that and bringing up the textures. And uh, it's slow going. It, it takes like a full stream as you like go up on scaffolding, make some changes, go back down, back up, look look at it, you know, decide what you look like, you know, whether it's good, bad. But I really like the finished feel. It's really now starting to be a, a town where no matter where you look, I've finished almost everything in your view or it feels intentional it feels like it's been touched you know and not just plunked down and and forgotten about uh, the towers still don't have the textures but those are like different items on on the list and i think that's the biggest takeaway that i've had from the last few months on the citadel is making the list was Im super important because if i'm not in the mood to stream you know if i'm tired you know, as I mentioned in the pre-show, uh, if, you know, you're just, you're having, it's hot, you know, hot summer day, sometimes work can be a slog, that kind of stuff. I don't have to come up with anything to do. I just look at the list and say like, you know what? I'm in the mood for something simple. Let's just decorate this, you know, storage room or this thing that's very simple. It's a five by five. Like it's really not going to take very long. And before you know it, you've checked off three things off your list. You're like, that's great. I feel accomplished. Like, I feel like I'm working towards the end goal. And one of the biggest things I did, uh, which leads me to a discussion about Minecraft books, is I took my 12 to 15 page book of things on my to-do list, which were mostly checked off. And I created a new book with just the unchecked items in it, which was like three pages, uh -huh. which is way easier to leap through as you're looking for the next thing. And I really wish that Minecraft books would let you leave off on a page. Like if you're on page 10 of 20, now that there's like, I mean, what can there be like 99 pages or something? Like if you exit that book, you have to like spam click to get to where you left off if you're on like the mid, mid of the book. So I really wish there was a way to bookmark it. Like if there was a third button at the bottom that says like, you know, sign the book, done with the book or like 
mark space and just like when yeah. you come back to it you're going to open up to that page because it would provide it makes it a, a better in-game tool for keeping track of things like this yeah because le- uh, lecterns will do that but you can't carry a lectern around with you is the point so like right. you know if, if you're yeah. walking around your town trying to figure out sure like where, where what what do i need to apply details to next and checking off a list you don't always want to be going back to the center of town where you have your lectern to <laughs> grab yeah. the book out of it edit it and then put it back and everything yeah so there's uh although th- that's a good point. I should I should put I should maybe put one on a lectern as well, just to kind of have it in a central spot. Because sometimes I'm just referring to it, like you know what what do I need to do next as I'm like in my storage room. So that would be a logical place to put it. If nothing else, it'd make a great artifact for the history of the town. Uh, just, yes, you know J- Joel's to do list enshrined in a place of honor somewhere <laughs> in West Hill. I think that's that's it's yeah. gonna gonna be nice for anybody who wants to visit and leaf through and look at all of the stuff that you yeah. noted down to do to the place. And so, the, the, I mean, those are the things that I have left to do. Uh, I've got a lot of texturing, a lot of outside wall work. Uh, there is a lot of interior design in the keep. Uh, thankfully, like giant medieval halls, they don't have a lot of furniture in them. Like they're just kind of meant to be like statements of power and space and gathering of people. Like yeah. if the townspeople were all going to be there for a meeting, they would all be standing around. It's not like there has to be seating for everybody. So that is going to be pretty simple. I also don't want to hide the floor because the floor pattern is really cool. Uh, however, it brought me to a bottleneck where the new version of the Tables and Chairs data pack by Axel uh, will require me to replace every single table and chair currently in West Hill. Hmm. Uh, they had to rewrite it because Mojang changed the way that data packs interacted with or worked with uh, the vanilla game. And so some of the functionality of the data pack was removed. Uh, it doesn't just break any of the display uh, of the chairs but it uh, or the tables but it removes any functionality so i can't remove a table or a chair in my world because i cannot replace it uh, it has to stay the same so if a creeper blows up somewhere i'm gonna be mad uh, <laughs> it's it's one of those things that is really frustrating where i mean it's it's a bed that you make when you decide to use data packs or use mods like you're at the mercy of that mod being supported in the future uh, you're at you know that that mod author being able to maintain a consistent mod or a consistent data pack and i mean their hand was forced so like i I get why they had to redo it but unfortunately um unlike mods i don't find that data packs will roll forward all that well to the point where some older data packs will just crash your game like you just can't load the old version of the data pack in there and have it um and have it work uh, so what we're doing on the Citadel is we're looking to grab a fabric mod because we do run fabric. It is a, technically it is a modded server. Most of the mods, if not almost all of the mods are quality of life, uh, UI and performance related mods. I think the biggest gameplay mod is the map, the zeros mini map and zeros world map. And that is updated like weekly sometimes. So the mod author on that keeps very up to date and that can almost be a little bit tedious, but at least you know that it's always going to be up to date and working. It's the very first mod that works when a new version of Minecraft comes out. Zero's mini Mac is like ready to go, you know? So we're looking at something like maybe a Doran, which is something that I've played with a little bit uh, when I was playing the all of fabric five mod pack. The tricky thing for me is trying to find a mod pack that will allow me to change the textures of some objects if it's just as simple as doing a, a texture pack then i could be very very easy because uh, with a lot of modded they tend to go beyond 
what is just vanilla looking stuff it tends to get into really really specific things like you know modern grill ranges and barbecues and mailboxes and stuff like that and sometimes those mods can also have functionality uh and, and that's something we may not want that said zero's minimap allows people to teleport it allows people to put down markers and we on the server just don't do that we just we use it as a visual map and that's it just like it's a, a visual map in any modern game that you might pick up today so we're looking at adding a mod for furniture and i'm fingers crossed hoping to find something that would also allow me to bring furniture into the modern city so rather than just the wooden tables and chairs that are very specific to vanilla minecraft and we've used a little bit of them in the um the modern city the dark oak tables and chairs look just fine in a cafe like that's that's fine uh, but it would be really nice to have modern sofas modern armchairs um, perhaps something that even looks like a toilet or a sink you know in some of the kitchens rather than putting a cauldron and a, a lever or a tripwire hook and having people use their imagination in in a modern city i think some of the things we might be able to get out of a more advanced uh, furniture mod like adorn or something similar could be fun i'm just on that weird fence of like i've been playing what i feel is vanilla quote-unquote minecraft for so long getting into the slippery slope of something like adorn or or other similar furniture mods i like i kind i'm not sure if i want to pull the trigger i still have to double check with everybody on the server too so like there's there's that conversation to be had as well but that's where i am uh, i'm disappointed that uh i'm gonna have to switch it up but i think the one saving grace is that i've noticed this before i did anything in the keep and so if the furniture and inside decoration in the keep was made with a mod at least there's that boundary of the stuff in the keep is one way and the stuff in the town is the other and it sort of makes sense so i've kind of i can kind of convince my brain that even though i've switched resources mid build or close to the end of the build it's not going to break your immersion of it um and I, I unfortunately just have to keep the old data pack on the server in order for people to walk through west hill and look at stuff yeah, but it makes sense, I think, long-term if you have something that's both more versatile yeah. and more robust, especially if it's a mod that seems to be fully like up-to-date and, and keeps up with other versions, then that's that's going to be potentially good for you long-term, I think. Well, this is normally where we would read a little bit of news, but uh, once again, there's not a lot going on in the Minecraft space this week. It is still summer vacation time. I'm sure there's a lot of creative recharging going on at Mojang, and we will, of course, keep people posted if anything develops. On a similar note, if small things happen in the community, uh, highlights circulate in our Discord. If you're a member of our Patreon server, uh, that's at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks, you have access to the Discord server. So be sure to check it out uh, if you're already a member or if you want to become a member, you can join the community, keep tabs on what even players are doing. It, you know, even if there's not news per se in the Minecraft space, you can always check in with a bunch of like-minded players and, and see what's happening. Yeah, there's, there's always uh, new links being posted in the resource mine channel for like helpful tools to help you build or like, you know, color palettes for stuff. There's all kinds of really interesting tools that get shared there. And even when there is news that we'll be talking about on the show, like snapshots and when the development cycle kind of kicks into gear and we start to see more of that approaching players, um, we'll have a pretty lively discussion in the snapshot chat channel there about all of the new releases and anything that else that happens around them so definitely a good way to keep track of everything 
Uh, but as far as the show today goes, uh, I guess we're moving on into email. Uh, if you'd like to email the show, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. And I personally want to extend a big thank you to everybody who's written in over the last couple of weeks because it's naturally been difficult for me to generate any kind of conversation for the show, considering that I'm not playing Minecraft on a daily basis like I usually am. So it's been really nice to have a, a fresh raft of emails uh, that has been you know, coming in on a somewhat regular basis. This one comes in from Kija, who is a landscape artist member of our Discord, and the subject is building the real world. Howdy, Pix and Joel. On your newest episode, that was last week's show, episode 255, Pix presented a question about block picking from the real world. I moved to a brand new city at the beginning of the year for university, and it has been refreshing to see new buildings around where I now live. During the spring, when I cycled to my university on the waterfront, I started paying more attention to the architecture, how something was built, and I started getting inspired. There are a couple of older factories built in the 1900s that have inspired me to incorporate more bricks into my builds. I look for alleyways, how they look, and how I could incorporate something like that into Minecraft. I'm also constantly on the lookout for nice colour palettes wherever I am. Looking at the real buildings and the surrounding area where I live has definitely given me numerous ideas for future builds. Kija was impaled by drowned while trying to figure out how to build curves in the middle of an ocean. I'm going to assume that Kija means early 1900s because I was also built in the 1900s. <laughs> yeah, me too, funnily enough. <laughs> so out of, out of squishier stuff than bricks. Uh, yes, uh, and just. I don't feel like I was part of the industrial age, so mm -hmm. there's there's a large gap there. Yes, uh, but yes. I, I I do remember doing similar things to this when I was trying to work out buildings in Southport, the modern city on the Citadel. There's just so much to consider, and once you start opening up your eyes to those kind of things, and I think it's really helpful when you are in a new area. It's, a, it's such an, a neat kind of anecdote that this happened when they moved for university. Yeah. And, you know, when you're in a, an area that has unfamiliar buildings, a different history, depending on how far afield you've gone for university, like, did you go two towns over? Did you go two countries over? Like, like where did you go? Did the culture shift? That kind of stuff. Uh, even if you're on vacation, I know you've spoken before about going on vacation in Spain and just being like a, a sponge for the Spanish architecture yeah, and how yeah, wild absolutely. it is all that kind of stuff. Um, and for me, I think that there's a few things that I look for when I'm out looking at buildings. And the first is scale when I'm considering how to build it in Minecraft. Like you've obviously got a door on most buildings and you can say, okay, do I need to make it a double door? How do I, uh, how do I make a door that works in Minecraft uh, similar to this? And how do I scale the rest of the building so that it fits? The other of course conundrum is like, you know, Minecraft blocks being a meter thick you know, like how much of a bulk do you have to add to the outside of this building for you to be able to have the outside be one color and the inside be another? You know, you're dealing with builds that often have a two meter thick wall, if not three around them, depending on how you uh, want to do it. I, I also think that the palette thing is an interesting conversation. You often get bottlenecked with looking at something and going like, that looks really cool, but that color doesn't exist in Minecraft. We've talked about the blue tiles on medieval roof builds before. Uh, I see a lot of different brick colors in the world. Uh, we've got a lot of beige brick around here, not so much red brick, but it's kind of like like the school that I went to school in growing up. Mo two of them were kind of like a sandy brick color, but sandstone doesn't cut it. Like it doesn't look like sandstone. It looks like small bricks, just like the red bricks in Minecraft, but they're beige, not not red. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes those limitations can can cause a bit of frustration. Uh, and then the big thing, and this is what really kind of took me by surprise when I was working in Southport, 
and designing the, that part of the city was urban planning. And if you want a school in this, see if you can find someone that is an urban planner professionally playing a game like City Skylines or SimCity or like one of those city builder games, but playing it from the, the perspective of a city planner. And I forget the link. I might have shared it on the show before, but I actually found the same creator that was a, a city planner playing City Skylines was also uh, producing a couple of videos where they were flying around Minecraft cities that were made by like, you know, servers full of people or whatever. And they were kind of like criticizing, not in a bad way, but like in an educational way, like, oh, look, they've added this green space between the highway and the residential residential area. That's real. Like that makes sense. We do that in real life to keep the noise down from the cars so that you're not sitting in your backyard con constantly bombarded by 18 wheelers going by. And I just, that, those kind of things that you have to consider if you want to make a realistic representation of what you're seeing in the modern world when you walk around it as you ride your bike you know towards your university I, there's just so much to consider from an urban planning standpoint it's almost like you have a to-do list a mile long before you place a single block you know when building modern stuff in, in minecraft yeah and i feel like that's often what presents an intimidating image of oh, absolutely. modern building now much less the scale that you have to build on to achieve anything that looks contemporary um but yeah like i i find that the planning aspect of it and wanting to make a city feel like a city is often a bit of a hurdle to get over mentally because you're you're trying to figure out like okay th there would be all of this and and the the amount of stuff you have to do just kind of multiplies outwards from wherever you start um, but there's it, it's it's certainly achievable and you can you can get some really great results that way i think it's it's so interesting as well hearing that people who have this as their profession are still sort of interested in the way we do it in the video game world as well um going back to bricks because you, you sort of touched on this briefly but this is something that living in a neighborhood that is mostly bricks i always run up against this problem i find that at first at least bricks are so difficult to use because they're so clean and identical and bricks in real life just don't turn out that way they are fired at different temperatures they are fired for different lengths of time they end up looking like a variety of different colors within a square meter of brick you have maybe like 10 or 12 different hues and that's just not what minecraft bricks look like and there aren't often many blocks that you can blend them with texturally. So you can't blend clay brick into nether bricks or red nether bricks in the same way that we have stone bricks for blackstone, deep slate, a few other materials that can sort of form a gradient. And the way you tend to approach this when you're building with bricks is to do the uh, occasional stone bricks in a wall of natural stone kind of thing where you get something else that's vaguely the same sort of color maybe you put them in a wall of terracotta or granite or something like that and you throw occasional brick blocks in there so that the texture isn't obvious and repetitive and overwhelming but it still kind of implies that there are bricks in there and as somebody who lives in an area with a lot of brick houses, I wouldn't build any of them purely out of bricks in-game because then they look unrealistic. They look almost cartoonish. Um, so yeah, like maybe sections of bricks can peek out from a wall where they've been plastered over and the plaster has crumbled or something like that. But yeah, I, I find that bricks in particular become very difficult to use 
in contemporary builds if you expect to use them just how you're seeing them on the street every day because how they look on the street is very different to how they look in Minecraft. And you've also got things like graffiti and um, I don't know, I don't want to say rebuilding, but like there's a lot of layers to a city that I think the straightforward approach to building something in Minecraft is to make it like build it and, and have it be finished and complete. And it's so hard in any kind of modern palette in Minecraft to get that wear and tear and that weathering or that um, it, what happens a lot around Halifax is uh, there's a lot of protected buildings downtown, but they're unsafe. So they have to be torn down. They have to be updated in order for them to be livable or workable or whatever. But what they do is they keep like the brick facade that's on the building. And you'll often see like uh, when, when the building is being redone, there'll be all this metal scaffolding that will be holding up the brick face of the building. And then behind it is nothing. Mm -hmm. And then, and then they put in a new building, modern, you know, like air conditioning and like the, all the different things properly insulated, uh, sealed basements, all that kind of stuff, but they keep that front entrance. And so it maintains the historic feel of downtown Halifax. Uh, and, and then you can still have a modern building in inside with all the modern comforts. And that brings in like an, a layer of history that I think is difficult to build from scratch yeah. when you're doing a Minecraft city or, or a modern block or something like that. Uh, I think that's why a lot of people in Minecraft, when they attempt a city, they attempt like the small town city, you know, the, the, the little harborside place rather than like a big urban landscape because one, it's just a huge undertaking. It's also kind of boring. You know, like when you think about a snapshot of a city, there's going to be a couple of key buildings that are going to look cool. They're probably going to be the newer ones, you know, especially if you see any of these like cool buildings from from, you know, China or, or Japan where there's like lots of green spaces. And I saw a really cool thing the other day in Spain where to combat urban temperatures rising, they have canopies of vegetation that are hung over the alleyways between buildings. Mm -hmm. And so it does a whole bunch of things It provides shade. It removes, you know, carbon dioxide from the air and it provides all kinds of like greenery and spaces for birds and bees and all that kind of stuff. So it's all kind of benefit, but, you know, very difficult to do in Minecraft because of just how kind of unique they are and, and the angles that they are. You could kind of like do a Minecraft version maybe, uh, but that kind of stuff is always new and cool. But a lot of cities are a lot older than that. And so in the 70s, skyscrapers are boxes. And I can tell you from building a couple of skyscrapers in Minecraft, even though I tried to make them interesting, they're boring to build. Like they look yeah. cool when they're done, but it is a lot of repetition. Like it's the same floor stacked and stacked and stacked and stacked because it's meant to be apartments or it's meant to be uniform, you know, uh, office space, that kind of stuff. Um, I keep it interesting for me by hiding things like a concrete maker or, you know, a, a spawning farm to kind of remove the mobs from the streets below are all kind of being hidden in the skyscraper. So not every skyscraper is just apartment after apartment. Uh, I also tried to farm the decorations of the insides of the apartment, which also got repetitive because like they're the same floor plan as you just kind of keep on going up and up and up and say like, hey, if you want to come to the modern city and build server mates, then why not decorate a department for me so I don't have to do one? <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. That kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it can be really challenging. And 
in the context of skyscrapers, you have to add other buildings around them, otherwise they're just going to look like somebody's built a high-rise yep. apartment block in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and it, that's that was the uh, the thing about the first season of Decidedly Vanilla when I joined that server. Uh, another guy called Logan, who I don't think makes videos all that much anymore. I think he moved into like digital art and other stuff and, and editing. But he built a reproduction of a skyscraper that I think was in um, Minneapolis or somewhere like that. And yeah, he, he rebuilt this building out of sandstone, destroyed an entire desert to do it. And then it was just a skyscraper in the middle of nowhere. Like it was by a forest. <laughs> you know, I think his nether portal was in a tree somewhere, you know? So there's there's some stuff that you can do that can be a really rewarding project to finish that one build. But then if you want to go urban, you want to go contemporary and modern, then suddenly you've got a whole other like challenge on your hands. I'll have links to uh, City Beautiful, a YouTube channel, and City Planner Plays, another YouTube channel, uh, in our show notes this week. Uh, City Beautiful is the one that I mentioned about a urban planner reviewing Minecraft cities, and City Planner Plays uh, focuses more on a game like Cities Skylines. But if you're into doing cities or looking to do more modern building in Minecraft, the ideas and the tips about layout and urban design would would carry over and they would it would be good good to watch it's also very entertaining it's very satisfying i i don't often play cities skylines because i don't have the time and i find it a little bit repetitive but as a minecraft player as a builder watching it being played is also very satisfying to like throw it on while you're doing the dishes or you know whatever it's a, it's a it's a fun thing to do especially when you're watching someone that knows what they're doing because it's not frustrating it's just they they really kind of understand how to go about those games and have them look really cool yeah, I'll be checking out both of those links because <laughs> it seems like food for thought, definitely. Our next email comes in from JD Builds about spellbooks. Hello, Johnny and Joel. I was listening to your discussion about potion brewing in episode 255, particularly about how there really aren't many in-game clues for recipes or potions. And it makes me think of something uh, along the lines of a potential solution. What if in witch huts, a player could find a chiseled bookshelf with witches spellbooks in them on the shelf? In a witch's spellbook, a player would find picture recipes for a specific potion or perhaps a partial potion with a question mark or missing ingredient for the player to experiment with to complete the recipe. A witch hut could spawn with one or maybe two spellbooks with different potion recipes in each book. I think this would fit in with the 1.20 exploration factor, giving the witch hut an update in the process. I know I would love to display a collection of spellbooks in my apothecary. Would love to hear your thoughts on this idea. JD Build's first ever survival mode death years ago was to a witch, but even though they still scare him, he'd go on a witch hunt raiding for spellbooks. I really like that the sign-off was a callback to JD Build's first death yeah. in Minecraft. <laughs> and well done surviving long enough that a witch was the thing that took you out. I find that, you know, there's creepers and zombies and all kinds of stuff before I ever encounter witches. Um, but yeah, I, I really like this idea primarily because we talked recently about um, renewing people's interest in certain structures. And I think ever since the advent of stacking raid farms and those being a source of all of the witch drops in at even a higher rate than, um, than than witch farms used to be, witch huts have largely been ignored. I think the change in height of the world was also about something to do with this because that effectively made witch farms less effective due to their relative Y position in the world. So, I mean, technical details aside, people don't go to witch huts unless maybe they want a guarantee of 
taming a black cat. <laughs> and that's kind of the only reason to go now. So I do like the idea of giving some more value to witch huts, even though people who are familiar with potion brewing at this point might not go there for spellbooks like this. It's a really great idea to revamp witch huts, include some of the newer features, and also give them something that helps new players understand potion brewing better. I think that's a very good way of concisely solving a lot of problems. I really liked it as well. I think that it could even be taken further by instead of collecting separate books for each spell, what if you were collecting pages similar to how we collect pottery shirts and that with each page that you get and perhaps a single recipe isn't on a single page. Maybe you have like two different pages that you have to put together. I don't mind the idea of a mini game, like a puzzle to kind of fit together to figure out how to to make a potion. Because the cool thing about that is if you just find one, like let's say you find uh, two or three pages, you manage to put together one recipe. That will kind of teach you how to make a basic recipe or, or brewing recipe in, in Minecraft. And then you could either experiment on your own or go looking for the other recipes and try to figure out how many there are. Uh, I think it would be important to communicate in the game somehow that there are X number of recipes. Like you found one of 15 or one of 20 or like whatever whatever that number is so that you, um, you don't think you found all of them and you've only found three, like that kind of a deal. Uh, I, I like the context in which JD Builds presented uh, the idea, like for all the reasons you mentioned and just bringing in exploration, bringing in the idea of new functionality for an existing block, updating an older structure that in my opinion also feels dated uh, and I think could use a bit of a refresh. I, I think that it's such a nice way to suggest an improvement or a solution for this problem in the game rather than just give us a recipe book like we have uh, for our crafting recipes in our inventory just there, right? Like that's that's the easy fix, but that's not inventive or fun. And it doesn't incorporate all the different things that the Mojang team has worked on over the years adding to the game. And I think that it's such a great way to provide feedback in that like it just it takes into all these different things into account. Um, I think that as you do that, like as you unlock these recipes, as you find them, I think after that, it would be cool to then have something when you go to a brewing stand, you could have your recipe book there and it would contain all of the recipes that you've learned so far. So not everything, but at least then you wouldn't have to go back to your separate bookshelves to try to remember, how do I make a swiftness potions? Like, how do I make a potion of fire resistance? Uh, for the more complicated stuff, for the things that you don't brew that often, it would be nice to have that stuff in like a central place where it's like the player has quote unquote learned it and therefore the player person in the world uh, can can then refer to that next to the brewing stand rather than having to go and pull off individual books off the shelf. Because the problem that I have there is that when you're looking at a bookshelf, a chisel bookshelf, if it contains books that have stuff in them, there's nothing on that bookshelf to indicate what each book is, mm -hmm. right? So like if unless you have them in a memorized order, uh, you really are just pulling books at random until you find, oh yeah, that's where I left the swiftness potion, like that kind of stuff. Like I, I wouldn't want to have to go through an entire wall of, you know, enchanted books on bookshelves trying to figure out where I left the potion book that I want. Uh, so I think there are some hangups with the idea, but all of which could be, you know, iterated on and, and I think brought to a, a proper solution. This could also be a really good opportunity to 
revisit potion brewing and cauldron mechanics and how they differ between Bedrock Edition and Java, because the cauldron is much more um, important to brewing in Bedrock Edition. You can fill cauldrons with a specific type of potion. That's how tipped arrows are crafted. And I think if we're going to look at revising witch huts and including more potion brewing, uh, you know, hints and tips uh, in, in that kind of structure, then it also makes sense to revisit the way those mechanics work just so there isn't any miscommunication and, and things don't get, like, you know, the, 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 the potion brewing recipes don't get added for the wrong version, for the version that they wouldn't really be associated with. I'm pretty sure Bedrock Edition even has one potion type that isn't on Java, or maybe it's been removed, but they had a, a wither effect potion for a while that I don't think is has ever been a thing on Java. So, yeah, re really kind of curious that there are still disparities between the two of them. The Nookie in our live chat just pointed out that you could have tooltips when hovering over a book in the shelf, similar to when you hover over something in your inventory. There's not enough room to read anything on the side of a book in the resolution of a, a chiseled bookshelf, but uh, it would make sense as if you're reading like the side binding, you know, of a book, so you know which one is which. Um, yeah, I like that idea. I think that's a cool, that's a cool solution as well. Well, when you're when you're looking cool at an with... item in an item frame, like when you see the name hovering over mm. it, if you've renamed it in an anvil, it can be a similar mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. And, and if language is an issue or to avoid that kind of stuff, uh, they could also have, if they are planning on changing the shape of all the different potions, they already have them as different colors. Instead of hovering over the book and getting the name of that potion, you could just have like the symbol of that potion come up and be just like, oh, that's that's the book that has the recipe for fire resistance potion because an orange potion kind of popped up. That That could be cool too. Um, yeah. Just to kind of bridge that language gap, because I or have both. Like you could have you could have the title and the symbol pop up, but something like that I think would be would would be very very cool. Yeah, thanks for continuing the discussion, JD Builds. That's a uh, a very elegant solution, I thought. Moving on to our main discussion this week, perfectionism in Minecraft. This also comes in from an email from Joseph J. Perfectionism when playing Minecraft. Greetings, Joel and Pix. Hope you're both having an amazing day. I've been playing Minecraft for over five years now, but recently I've developed the need to be a perfectionist when playing. I am in no way a perfectionist in real life. For instance, I feel the need to make one side of a branch mine identical to the other so that it will be aesthetically pleasing. Or when a creeper blows up, I feel the need to patch the hole, returning it to the terrain as it was when the world was first generated, so it doesn't feel tainted and it hasn't lost its natural beauty. The main thing I'm a perfectionist about is building. When I'm designing a build, I never know when to stop designing it because I want the build to be perfect. Because I want my builds and my worlds in general to be perfect, I can never settle on good enough. I feel like my world isn't perfect even if it spent endless hours. Sorry, I have to say that again. Even if I feel like my world isn't perfect, even if I've spent endless hours working on it, I end up starting a new world. I know these thoughts and actions are irrational and that there is no such thing as a perfect Minecraft world. I've been trying to change my mindset, but I just can't figure out why and figured I'll ask you guys. So how do you both deal with perfectionism when playing Minecraft? How does one overcome the need to be a quote unquote perfect Minecraft player? And when is a build good enough? I've been listening to you guys podcast since the beginning of 2023 and I'm loving it so far. Thank you both so much and keep up the amazing work. Joseph was blown up by a creeper while trying to perfectly patch an old creeper hole. 
the <laughs> irony of that death message is yes. not lost on me. Well, well played. Uh, and thank you for the kind words. I'm really glad that you're enjoying the podcast. And uh, welcome to the team <laughs> yeah. of being a perfectionist in Minecraft. Um, I know that uh, I want to kick things off and say that I'm not a perfectionist. Nope, definitely not. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, that's a quote from my Twitch chat. It happens often <laughs> enough uh, because I am usually lost in details uh, and wanting things to be just so. Um, I think that... I hesitate to use the world word perfect or perfectionist. I, I just, I want things to be as I've conceived them to be in my brain. Uh, my career in art, specifically commercial art, when there's other people telling you when something is good and done, uh, has led to me living in an uncomfortable, comfortable place that just, that does perfect doesn't exist. And I'll, I'll leave a, a, a quote here from, um, Right now, I think the, the artist that has been pushing this the most is Jake Parker. He's an illustrator in the US. Um, and I've met him once or twice, actually. And I feel like the perfect is the enemy of done is a really, really good way to look at things. Because if you're always noodling with something and trying to make it perfect, you're never going to finish it. You're never going to be able to push away. And as an artist, having that ability to push yourself away from the desk and say, like, that's finished, it's a skill. You have to learn it. And it's not easy especially if it's your work, like if it's your personal work, like you're not doing it for a client, you're just, you're trying to draw. For me, it was my webcomic. Like when I was working on Starcross, like trying to push away from that and not spend 12, 16 hours on a comic that I really had to finish in one workday was really difficult for me. And I had to kind of learn some shorthand. I had to learn like what's good enough. I had to accept that it's an iterative process and that the comic was going to get better over time. Repetition was going to be my friend. And that, you know, resist going back and, and redrawing the original comics. Something that I had to do when I put the comics together in a book collection. And I was collecting like three years of comics or more. Because they only came out once a week uh, into a, a, a large book. And you're dealing with something that you've drawn from three years ago. Like the characters didn't even look the same to me. And now to the untrained eye, they probably looked okay. But to me, I'm just like, oh my gosh, it looks so different. Um, you can see something like that in a long running cartoon like Garfield or, or Peanuts or something like that. When you look at how they first were drawn versus how they were drawn after 20, 30 years of experience by the artist. And I, I think it's an interesting um, battle that that creative people. And I think that Minecraft, you know, players obviously are, are put in that that same bucket of like you're doing something creative. You're, you're trying to express yourself and you have it just so in your head. And you're trying to get it down into the Minecraft world, much like an artist is trying to get it down on, on paper. And if it doesn't go your way, then it can be very, very frustrating. Um, but I know that you had an interesting, you know, kind of tidbit to kick off the discussion as well. Yeah, um, I, I want to put it out there that there is no wrong way to play. And this is, yeah, something that I'll, I'll go over before I talk about my own struggles with perfectionism. But time spent enjoying yourself in Minecraft is not wasted. And if you get joy from designing and redesigning a build in order to make it perfect, maybe that's how you play Minecraft. Maybe that's not such a bad thing. I think it is... It, it kind of goes along with the desire to emulate other people and the desire to get more out of the game as an experience that these questions arise. It's sort of the same thing of, like, how do I not get bored in Minecraft Whenever that discussion comes up, I'm kind of like, why are you worried about getting bored in Minecraft? You know, why, why does Minecraft have to be a certain way to you? And so 
if you find yourself frustrated by the perfectionism, then that's clearly a sign that something needs to change. But if you find yourself getting your kicks out of redesigning a build and thinking, yeah, that's perfect, but what if I just tweak this other thing? Like, would that make it any better? And if it keeps feeling like it's a good thing to do, then then not necessarily such a bad thing. I also prefer to patch up holes in terrain when a creeper explodes, because, I don't know, I might want to reuse that landscape at some point for something else, and the creeper has done something that was not necessarily a voluntary act on my part of modifying the landscape, and I like being the one person or one of the group of people who is in charge of how that world changes. Um, because the Minecraft world doesn't change much without players' input. So I think that's that's obviously part of it. It's, it's an unexpected change. Um, personally, when it comes to perfectionism, I sort of feel the push and pull of this throughout my work as a professional content creator because I have a very detail-oriented audience who will notice when something isn't quite correct, uh, but I have a need to move forward into the next topic or video instead of dwelling on something for a while. And if anything, the amount of feedback I get from the community has actually helped me embrace imperfection because I'm never going to please some people. <laughs> I'm never going to play Minecraft efficiently enough for some people. There will there'll be people who will call me out for putting seven items in a furnace with a piece of coal when I could have smelted eight. And... Those people are obviously very detail-oriented and they prefer to play Minecraft in an effective and an efficient way and in a way that, you know, I would find prohibitive in the sense that I couldn't move on from some of that stuff and that's a difficult line to walk. Like, the more perfectionist you end up, the more you are stifling yourself in just getting on and doing whatever it is you want to do next. Um, it might be very different for me if I was a hobbyist player, but I find that it slows me down to consider so many of these aspects so closely, especially if they're not the topic of the video, that they're not the task I'm trying to complete that day. I'm not worried about anything else, I'm just worried about what's in front of me and the mechanics I'm trying to explain. So, yes, I will occasionally smelt seven iron instead of eight, or I'll use, you know, the wrong amount of sticks and one of them will disappear and burn into nothing or whatever. And that just happens sometimes. And understanding that Minecraft is made up of so many different moments that cannot be perfect, or so many different ways in which you can play the game imperfectly, can kind of be freeing in a way. It can actually feel like you are giving yourself license to be imperfect because to play the game optimally requires so much constant vigilance that it's almost exhausting. And I'm not ready to be exhausted by this video game by, by just making sure I've done everything 100% correctly. So one thing I want to say is if this desire for perfection is a habit you've developed recently, it may not last forever. If it's something that has only come up in your recent thoughts, then maybe it's just a passing phase and will disappear again. But I think we can come up with a few suggestions for uh, how to avoid perfectionism becoming your enemy in this case. I think that's really interesting that you brought up game mechanics because my perfectionism or my need to have everything just so very heavily revolves around builds and, and aesthetics and how they look. 
I do not care after six years on a server how much coal is being used when I smell something. Yeah, like, exactly. I, I just don't. <laughs> like I just I have resources coming out my ears. You know, I don't I don't care about leaving blocks in the ground if they disappear. Sometimes I throw them on the ground on purpose because I just don't have any room in my inventory. Like there's stuff like that. I, I really game mechanics, not worried about it. You know, I don't have a perfect sword. Uh I I'm not worried about having uh a perfect uh uh Enderman farm. We have an Enderman farm in the end that I re visited recently just because I was down there looking around and it doesn't work quite as intended for whatever reason. I just don't want to rebuild it. I didn't find building it fun. I don't know why it's not going crazy like some Enderman farms do. And I just, you know, I can't be bothered. And is it perfect? No. Does it function? Yeah, good enough. Uh, but right now our, you know, zombified uh, piglin farm is the better way to get XP. Plus you get gold and other stuff while you're there. Um, I think that to, to to touch on, you know, ideas for addressing any kind of perfectionist tendencies in the game, I I definitely get caught up in details in Minecraft that are a time sink. And oftentimes they're inconsequential. Uh, I spent a couple of streams in the last week, I'm sure, decorating closets in West Hill, like storage closets. They're full of barrels and chests. They're five by seven, maybe smaller. They're you can't see them from the outside unless you are in my build walking around you're never going to find these things could i have just put a door on them and shut them absolutely i could even have a fake door that leads to nowhere that just suggests that there's a closet there but part of the challenge that i've given myself when building west hill was to design it in full like to have it feel like it's lived in much like you would find a town in an rpg game and usually in those you know those kind of builds if you can open the door to a room, there's going to be something inside. You know, think about walking around a, a, an inn in, in World of Warcraft. Like, you couldn't open up the wardrobes and look inside, but you could absolutely go upstairs and there would be beds and, you know, probably an NPC standing around, that kind of stuff. And they're not just an empty facade from the outside. So that was my goal. I enjoy that. Uh, it doesn't take that long. Um, but, you know, games that are a time sink, you know, you mentioned about the, the time investment and stuff like that in Minecraft. It's one of the one reasons why I moved it in to try making it part of my job is yeah. because I do find myself enjoying the detail, you know, oriented building and the, the time it takes to do that because it's a block by block game. And I just thought, man, if I'm sinking this kind of time into this game, which I at, at first when I started playing, like I couldn't help it. Like I was just playing for hours and hours and hours. Like this is going to, I either need to find a way to fold this into my job or I need to figure out a way to not play it so seriously because <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it really, it really can and can be a, a battle. Um, something that I found that has helped me though, is when a build that I'm trying to create doesn't come out exactly as I have conceived it. I kind of lay that at the limitations of Minecraft. You have to work with a lot of approximations at the, you know, a lot of the time. And I think that if you lay that down as this is as good as I can make it in Minecraft, as opposed to it's not perfect, but like, it's never going to be perfect just because Minecraft is full of blocks and they're a meter wide. Like you, there's so many things that you're not going to be able to do, uh, to the level of what you might see as, as perfect. So the good enough, which feels defeatist turns into this is as good as I can make it in Minecraft because Minecraft has limitations. And I think that that's a, uh, something that's helped me a great deal uh, when wanting to make something a specific size or length or line things up. Now, sometimes that involves some patience where I know I don't want to finish these two buildings and have them be 
off center by two blocks. Well, that means I need to take the time and measure out the foundations and triple check that measurement before I build both of them. And so I think that some of it is like hindsight is 2020. If something's really bugging you, then the next time you do something like that, a similar build, make sure you kind of do your due diligence before you start. I think that can help a lot of the things that make people's eyes twitch, you know? Yeah. Um, on the flip side, you know, I built the wall around West Hill and then I've been cramming buildings inside this wall. The wall was dictated by the landscape and the rivers and uh, so is the land inside the town, just like a real town. If that's where it was decided to be developed, you'd be limited, you know, unless you start putting platforms over the river, like you really have to figure out how to build around this stuff. And that to me is a fun challenge. We've talked about that before where, you know, you're forced into a box, pardon the pun, and you have to figure out how to fit a small, you know, uh, bakery in a, in a space where you thought you had more room, but now you've got a wall and a river and it's shaped like a triangle. Well, how do you do that? Well, if you can figure it out, you know, maybe that leads to a cool outside space, you know, maybe that leads to, you know, a triangle shaped oven inside the, the bakery, just to try to help you kind of get around those problems. And I think that accepting those challenges and kind of like making them your own, uh, and moving forward with them is another great way to handle, when things don't go exactly as planned and are therefore in your mind, you know, not perfect. Yeah. Like there's a couple of things I can recommend. Um, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier about having some oversight when you were a commercial artist, like it, whether it's setting yourself some deadlines or having somebody else hold you accountable <laughs> for something, mm. this might seem like a very extreme way to handle perfectionism, but like if you have a partner, if you have, you know, somebody else, like a roommate, a friend, somebody else that you're even maybe playing on a Minecraft server with, have them come over and look at it and tell you that it's okay. <laughs> like, or, or, t or tell you that it's done or just say, you know, yeah, like maybe do another day on this and then call it good. And like other people's feedback on that topic can also help you move on from some of that stuff like even if it's self-imposed even if it's setting yourself some deadlines like i'm going to work on this build for exactly one week presuming you have a reasonable amount of time within a week to play minecraft but then at the end of that week you move on it can be a fun exercise it could even be a fun way to live a nomadic existence if you build in one area for a fixed amount of time and then in game physically move away from it i think that could be a, a fun way of structuring your time in a world and that would also scratch the itch of restarting the world in the hope that that was going to provide something new that might stick for that particular time is because effectively moving away from where you you know where your spawn point is or wherever it is you're currently building is effectively the same thing as starting a new world just without the grind for tools and everything else and I can recognize that that's also a helpful way to reset your mentality is to go and looking for that stuff and finding, you know, cool landmarks and abandoned mine shafts and that kind of thing. But you can do the same thing just by dropping all of your stuff in a chest and going somewhere else. I like the idea of accountability. And I think that's one thing that the Citadel has is that there are several other server members that have also put in a lot of time on the server. They feel ownership over their builds, over certain sections of the server and over the server as a whole. So any decision to ever restart the Citadel would involve a large meeting and everyone would have to be on board. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be comfortable with it if it was like even five to one. Like I, I would really want everyone to be like, OK, let's this is exciting. Let's let's move forward. There'd have to be a really good reason for it. Um, and not to say that it would ever get deleted, like we would have backups and downloads and mm, you know, obviously yeah, sure. keep it around and stuff like that. Um, just because it's it's a lot of my professional work, but also just a lot of just passionate work by other 
friends and uh, and fun times and memories, you know, from a lot of people. I think uh, when you're dealing with Minecraft and the endless gameplay, looking at the broader Minecraft world, you're talking about you know, like um, either resetting or you were talking about like dumping all your stuff and, and going the, the distance. Um, I think that there's a lot of quote unquote imperfections in the Minecraft world and wanting to fix them and make them better, make them your own is I think a natural progression as a player. Like I think that in the same way that you and I will look at Mojang releasing a block and we're like, that's cool. But what if they did this? Like we just, we always have like a, what if we could be, you know, put on our little game developer hats and, and have an opinion. And I think that the same is true of the Minecraft world It's like, well, I know it's procedurally generated, but why did the cave do that? You know, like, why is the village hanging off the edge of this cliff? Like, that's weird. Let's fix it. You know, it provides an opportunity for gameplay. Uh, and I do find it odd that I see this pattern in Minecraft in the community of being dissatisfied with the world you've been working on and restarting it, expecting a different result. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's going to it's going to look different, but you're going to get the same problems. It's you're, you're never going to get what you're expecting or what your mind's eye is desiring. So I really encourage people to work through the dissatisfaction. If you don't like the way your build looks, you can change it infinitely. Now that's a rabbit hole. But if you don't like the way a Minecraft river winds, you can move it. If you don't know how to move it, you can learn how to move it. And I think that that will then start to push you into learning new skills, keeping things fresh, going from building houses to doing landscaping, to doing redstone builds, to like, I don't have enough of this block. I guess I have to learn how to make an iron farm. Like that kind of stuff can really snowball into you are never going to be bored in Minecraft because there's always going to be something new. Now, it takes time. It takes patience. And if you lack one or both of those things, that's where I think, you know, Johnny's point to accountability can come in because if you're not able to put in the time all the time to make these big farms, well, having servers with server mates where people can work together to achieve these goals can help quite a bit. And then that loosens the restrictions on what you're doing elsewhere in the world individually, and you can all move on and, and do the things that you need to do. Um, I think there, however, is a tremendous sense of pride when you can look over a Minecraft landscape and realize that you have either accepted, tweaked, or completely reinvented everything within render distance. And it's taken years, but that's the feeling I get when I look around West Hill. And I really want to emphasize the acceptance part. There are some parts of the landscape that I just looked at and thought, I could change this, but it would be a lot of boring work. And I'd just rather not. So I, the challenge was, well, let's accept us and move forward. I've, I talked before on, this, on the show about the game of yes and accepting something a server mate has done and building upon it. You know, rather than being negative and saying like, no, I don't like it. Saying like, all right, well, that exists. How can we move forward with it? And I treat the Minecraft landscape in the same way. It exists. How can we move forward with it? You know, like, is, is this valley a real problem for me? Is it only 20 blocks wide? Sure. I, that's not, a, my Minecraft experience tells me that that's going to take me 30 minutes to fill in and I'm going to be happier because of it. Let's go. You know, then I look at other things like a giant ravine and you're like, I don't want to take the time to erase this. How can I work this into my build? Like what, what could I do with this for it to be something that doesn't make my eye twitch, but is instead an accent or something that um, increases the visual, you know, value of the area. I think with, with West Hill, one of the things that I've learned has been to 
accept a lot of things that are around and try to work with them rather than constantly trying to change them. Because for me, the wall that I hit when I'm noticing that I'm getting too, we'll say perfectionist about something is when I'm struggling to get what I want and I'm no longer having fun. And that's, I find when I go, all right, I just can't do this in Minecraft. This just isn't a thing that's possible because I'm a pretty intelligent guy. I'm an artistic person. I have the resources. I have the experience in the game. If I can't get this cliff or bush or road to look exactly how I want it, I have to kind of back up and say like, there's just, I've tried six different ways to do this. I'm going to have to pick the one I dislike the least and go with that. And I think that that's kind of where I draw the line is like the moment that I start to feel frustrated, I'm just like, that's not cool. Like I want to remain having a fun time in Minecraft. And that's where I think that I'm able to turn back to that phrase I said earlier, which is this as good as I can make it in Minecraft. If I was in Photoshop, I could absolutely get this to look the way that I want, <laughs> but I'm not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's often about embracing the lesser of two evils. And I think one of the ways of avoiding perfectionism is by trying to think one step ahead of what you're doing at all times. So say, for example, in, in your, in your, medieval town you're designing the perfect looking wall you've got the wall gradient all kind of figured out if you're spending ages just making sure every block of that is in the right place so that it doesn't look too checkerboardy and that the gradient flows and that there's occasional kind of highlights in it then you can get stuck into that for ages but if you think I could spend all of that time doing that but my next step is to build a tree in front of this which is going to obscure 30% of it anyway, then you can put 30% less effort into making that wall perfect and yes. focus on what's next and, and focus on building the tree. So I think getting stuck in the present moment is part of the struggle of perfectionism. It's you're, you, you're having trouble seeing what's next and what's going to move you on from this. And so I think if you try and keep a list of activities and always add one thing to that list when you you know, strike one off and say that's done, then that's going to constantly help you think one step ahead of where you're at and potentially get you excited about moving on to those things, which will make it easier for you to leave the current activity behind. Um, one specific example I can give when it comes to uh, creeper explosions, which were mentioned in the email, one good exercise is to make lemonade from those lemons. Uh, if a creeper blows up some nearby terrain, instead of fixing it, you can consider how it could be made into a feature instead of patching it up. If it blows a hole sort of in the side of a hill, maybe that becomes the entrance to a mine. If it blows up something in the middle of a plains biome, congratulations, you have a new frog pond. And you can work with stuff like that. And I think that can be a good exercise in reimagining some of those perceived imperfections as something that can enhance the world. And I think that's a, a really nice way of working around that problem um alternatively if you want to go completely the other route uh, disable mob griefing if you want sheep and villagers etc to still affect their environment then you're gonna to have to look into data packs but if you you know remove mob griefing and remove the opportunity for creepers to do damage to the landscape then you can say goodbye to unwanted holes in the terrain and stop that from holding you up with what you want to do next uh, so that's another another option the last thing i will suggest is to set an objective other than building, because Joseph mentioned in the email that building is the thing that's driving the perfectionism right now, and it's harder to judge that kind of perfect 
in making progress towards things like advancements, because they have win conditions. You have completed the advancement or you have not. And it's a very black and white kind of thing, which can lead to you at least feeling like you can step away from the thing that you're getting frustrated over for a while. And whether that's just eating every type of food in Minecraft, or if it's acquiring a trident so that you can get the trident-based advancements, or anything like that, it will at least give you time away and give you time to come back to that build with fresh eyes, and then that might give you a bit of an impetus to go, okay, well, no, I, th I think on, on reflection, that's actually looking better than I thought it was when I left it. Let's work with that, maybe tweak a couple more things and then call it done. And I think it's it's a little easier to do that if you have a variety of activities in your Minecraft game so that you're not dwelling on the building 100% of the time. I like the advice to step away. Uh, I do that all the time with builds where I'm just like, I'm frustrated with this. I don't know what to do next, whatever. I'm going to go do something else in this town. I'm going to walk by this thing 100 times in the next week and I'll either get the idea about how to fix it or I'll have to force my hand in, in a week or so. And I find that that usually helps. Um, or uh, popping somewhere else and doing something for a, for a server mate. Like I, I helped Cosmic with their um, sniffer farm. That was a stream away from West Hill. Wasn't at all thinking about medieval stuff. I was just making a minecart collection system. Totally fine. Nice brain break. Uh, I, I like also um, the idea of challenges. Uh, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago on, the, on this show. And uh, specifically for like resetting worlds, if you're up for a challenge, give yourself six months, give yourself a year, you know, and don't reset the world as like a how many days, similar to how people brag about how long they've survived in um, hardcore Minecraft. Like how many days can you play Minecraft and not reset the server? And I would be very curious to see what the mindset would be at the end of the 12 months. Are you itching to reset? Or have you invested too much work <laughs> and no longer want to reset and you want to keep the world even longer than you thought you could when you first tried it? I, as someone that has a six-year-old server, I understand I'm a little bit biased, but I feel like it's it's a interesting thing to challenge yourself with. And I, I'd be very surprised um, to see the results. I, I think people would learn a lot more than than they anticipate. Yes, and we could continue this discussion for a very long time. We could be tweaking and adjusting the details of our arguments, but would that make this the perfect podcast? Uh, we'll leave that up to you, listeners, because that's where we're going to leave this episode of The Spawn Chunks. We're going to step away from our creative projects and go and edit the episode, probably. You can find some more information about this show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today over at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. We have made four stacks of episodes with the wonderful support of our community of patrons, and if you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can do that over at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. Pledging at any level gets you an invite to our Discord. You can participate in things like the live show recording that happens every week. We also have our monthly Minecraft audio hangout and quarterly hangout coming up. The quarterly is the one where we share all of the behind-the-scenes facts and figures, the numbers behind the podcast. So if you're into that, if you're a data-minded person, that might be the thing for you. We currently have 314 patrons. We've added a few since last week, so thank you to everybody who has jumped on board. And special thanks go out to our content engineer patrons, Hunter555, Jumbo Sale, Mind Trip Media, Party Voyager, and Yitz. Thank you for your support on this episode. 
Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Sponge Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Just tell a friend about The Sponge Chunks and that can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even YouTube. Be sure to leave a rating and a review on your favorite platform. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked at thespawnchunks.com. The patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash where the Minecraft Survival Guide is currently in its third season and hopefully should be seeing new episodes around this time next week. I also stream three days a week on Twitch when my PC is behaving itself, so expect those streams to resume fairly soon as well. I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. And aside from that, I'm at Pixorifs on both Instagram and whatever Twitter is calling itself these days. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I'm doing online can be linked at joelduggan.com, including the Citadel Cafe, my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. And if you missed the render distance discussion this week, we are going to be talking about Secret Invasion. Myself and Stephen ESC will be talking about that. Uh, that was uh, finishing up on Disney Plus this past week. So there, there will be spoilers, but we will give people warning on the show. And it's going to be a fun time to talk about that with Stephen. We're both big Marvel fans, so it should be an excellent podcast. I'm Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch where I stream Thursday through Sunday, starting with the Citadel Minecraft server on Thursday, a brief break for Lego on Fridays, where I've started the motorized lighthouse. Very cool build. And then the weekends are spent back in Minecraft. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite and imperfect, and that's fine. <laughs>